Welcome to Find Your Rare Air. I'm Dr. Robin McKay, your host. As a psychologist, entrepreneur, and trusted advisor to top leaders in tech, medicine, and entertainment, I wanted to bring you this podcast to give you the guidance, tools, and expert advice that will help you navigate these uncommon times we're living in. From positive psychology practices to spirituality, mindfulness, and what it means to be a solution-focused transformational leader, Find Your Rare Air is going to clear your mind, open your heart, and help you rise above the noise so you can use your seat at the table for good. If that's what you've been craving, then you're in the right place. Before we begin, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss another episode, and it would make my day if you'd consider leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, on to today's episode. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to 2021. Happy New Year. This is Dr. Robin McKay, and I'm so happy to be here with you all Today, already we've had an eventful year, especially, well, I shouldn't say especially, like I'm privileging America over any other place in the world, but for for us who are here in the U.S., this has been already a very unsettling beginning to the year as we experienced as a country some unrest at our nation's capital. And in fact, that incident yesterday, what what transpired in America yesterday is really the impetus for the conversation I want to have today. And here's why. Yesterday, about, I don't know, three o'clock in the afternoon or so, a corporate leader in HR at a company I've been consulting with for a while now pinged me yesterday with this question. He said, our HR team is reacting to the current unrest on Capitol Hill. I'm wondering if you might have 10 to 15 minutes to quickly brainstorm how we could respond in a timely way. So listen, if you're a leader, you may have been wondering the same thing yesterday. You may have had team members, other leadership working on this problem as well. And certainly this is something that has been an ongoing experience for most leaders, not necessarily specifically this incident yesterday, but the remarkable number of crises that have emerged over the past year, I've said a couple of times, this always feels a little bit like I'm in the Hunger Games in the arena and there's a game master that just keeps, you know, pressing buttons and flipping levers and seeing what happens when we do this and what happens when we do that and who survives and who loses their life in the arena. And I know that that's not a very pleasant perspective on this. And yet I think just in order for me to be able to understand what's going on, it's really been helpful for me to to think about things in that way. So that being said, what I wanted to share with you is a behind the scenes look at how I advise this particular leader on my approach to not just yesterday's unfolding, but the constant unfolding that we've been undergoing for the last year or so as we've been kind of enduring the global pandemic, the political elections, the lockdowns, the vaccines, all the things that have been happening in this last year in our world. And if you could see my face, it's like I'm at this point, I've got some crisis fatigue. because I'm really kind of rolling my eyes and kind of wondering, okay, well, what's next? What else are you going to bring on, you know, bring to us? So I think that that's something that comes up quite a bit at this point. There are a lot of leaders who are in crisis fatigue. And 
So I want to talk about that a little bit as well today. So let's go ahead and dive in here. I'm guessing that there is going to probably be some steps that you as a leader can take to support your own teams through what seems to be this very unsettled and quickly evolving time that we're living in here. The first thing I want you guys to remember is that in any stressful, uncertain, or scary circumstance, and let's face it, the past year has been an ongoing roller coaster of uncertainty and threat. There have been two questions that people are asking, both consciously and oftentimes these questions are largely unconscious. They're underlying questions that people have kind of vibrating in their, in their souls. And those two questions are, the first one is, am I going to be okay? And the second one is, is everything going to be okay? And the truth is that as leaders, we cannot promise either of those. In fact, if you find yourself wanting to say those things to people, yes, sweetheart, everything is going to be okay. Yes, everything is going to be okay. I want you to just check yourself because the truth is we can't legitimately tell people that and they know that. And what ends up happening is that it creates kind of a, a dissonance between what their reality is and what a leader is telling them. So we need to be real mindful about soothing people into a false belief that everything is going to be okay and everything is, and they are going to be okay. Now that doesn't mean that that's not true, that from moment to moment, in this moment right now, as you're listening to this and as I'm speaking this, I'm okay. And in this moment, you're okay. And in this moment, everything in my life seems to be pretty okay. And that can change. So our external circumstances often will change. As you know, the one thing that we can keep on counting on is more uncertainty and more change. So rather than placating people, pacifying them, my approach to any kind of crisis is going to be around affirming experiences, affirming emotions, transmuting emotions, and then really drawing on individual humans, inner strength, our resilience, our ability to create, our ability to innovate, our ability to navigate in ways that we've never been asked to do before. And yet I really believe this, that we are wired for this evolution that we are experiencing as a world right now. I believe we're wired for it. So because we can't promise people that everything is going to be okay and that they're going to be okay, even though probably that's the case, what I like to do instead of that is to contribute to their well-being by helping them do a couple of things. One is, as I mentioned, to really affirm their experiences. And one of the things I, I advise this HR leader to do is to create and hold space for, for people to process and transmute their experiences. And I think that it's, I'm not talking about like creating you know, a, an enormous forum filled with all kinds of people with all kinds of different perspectives. And some people are celebrating what happened yesterday at the Capitol. And some people are, are denouncing what happened yesterday at the Capitol. What I am saying is that it's important to create groups that people feel safe in expressing. 
And so if you have an organization that happens to have some interest groups, some employee interest groups that are run by employees, I would say that that would be a good place to start to be able to hold these smaller type forums, small group sessions where people can come in and process as they as they want to process and feel heard and feel understood and feel safe. That's number one. Secondarily, again, just to and just to reemphasize, I don't recommend having big group forums where there's a lot of different attitudes and opinions and and politics and all the things that can happen. One of the last things that I think any of us want is to create more chaos. In fact, I think it's our job to create some order and some calm and some some focus and to eventually find a way forward. And I think that allowing people to have the experience, the safe experience to process their, their emotions and experiences is an important piece of that puzzle. By the way, if you choose to do these small groups, I still want the group leaders to be setting ground rules and to be practicing mindfulness-based solution-focused leadership. And what that actually means is that you're going to not solve any problems. You're not gonna dive into why this is all happening and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But instead you're going to listen very carefully and you're gonna listen not for what necessarily the words that they're saying, but how they are saying it. You're gonna listen for the emotional content of it and comment on the emotions. Some people might feel really sad about this. Some people might feel very angry about this. I'm curious what your sense of this is. That's an example of a solution-focused, mindfulness-based approach to just allowing people to have their experiences without making them wrong and without having to solve their problems. Because let's face it, the problems that we collectively are encountering right now are so seem to be so much bigger than any one individual. And so one of the great challenges of anybody who's leading a group like this is to stay out of problem-solving mode and to stay out of the belief system that you as a leader are meant to fix or solve this problem in this moment. But instead, mindfully in the moment, paying attention with an open heart and without judgment to what's coming through, to what's coming up, to the spirit of what your people are saying and to respond in a moment to moment way to those particular experiences. There's no need to solve problems in these sessions. And I will also remind you of this. Many, many organizations, if not all that I work with, have um, employee assistance programs, EAPs. And I want to remind you all of that, that that is an excellent resource for people who really do are triggered or having trauma around something like this to really activate and leverage those resources that you have access to. All right, so I wanna just pivot a little bit and talk about a second topic that these small groups can provide or that they can focus on during this time. So the other thing that we can do for our people instead of soothing them or doing the platitudes thing that I mentioned earlier is to help them remember to manage their nervous system. 
So whenever anything bad happens, whenever anything scary happens, uncertain happens, what's going on, whenever there's any kind of panic in the air, we, our nervous systems respond in a fight or flight response. So when our nervous systems go into fight or flight, which is what I call red zone emotions, we experience increased heart rate, we sweat a little bit, we spin into worry, our imagination goes out of control, we get hooked into you know, what's going on on TV and what's going on in social media and we scroll, 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 or we watch, 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 and then we call our friends and we talk about it and we get really activated and that, con that continual activation around those particular forums, whether it's TV or social media, actually then exacerbates that fight or flight response. So the most helpful thing that you as a leader can do for your people and for yourself actually is to first get yourself out of fight or flight response, manage your own nervous system, and then remind your people to manage their own nervous systems as well. So I want you to think about that. If I came into this podcast today in panic, in worry, in fear, in the sky is falling and you know the world is ending and all the things, what would that actually do to your nervous system? Even as I started talking about that just a moment ago, I felt my anxiety rising like, oh, like it's that, oh my God, the white knuckle experience. But instead, when you train yourself to manage your own nervous system, and I'm going to talk about ways that you can train yourself to do that. But when you train yourself to do that, you're really activating a very powerful command energy of leadership that is calm, that is cool, that is collected. It's a presence. It's a leadership presence that then evokes a similar response in the people that you are addressing. So if you're leading something and people are in a fight or flight, one of your roles as the leader is to manage the emotions, to manage the energy. And you do that by really teaching yourself how to manage your own energy first. So a couple of things that you can do to implement the, that energy management or um, the managing your nervous system piece I mentioned a couple of them, but they bear repeating. Turn off the TV and give yourself a break from social media. My approach to TV and social media is this. If I really need to know something, someone will tell me. So I didn't watch TV all day yesterday. I went to the gym to my personal trainer at noon. I was driving home at about one o'clock from that. And my husband called me and he said, have you heard what's happened? And I said, no, I haven't. What's happened? And he advised me. I found out I didn't have to have my eyes glued to the TV or be scrolling through social media to find that out. I found it out in an appropriate way, actually, through word of mouth from a trusted ally, my husband. Get outside and into the sunshine. Our bodies need sunshine. Our bodies need fresh air. Our bodies need water. And so to my point, then drink more than enough water as well, but get outside into the sunshine and give your, give your body what it actually needs to be able to, th to thrive. We are not meant 
to live in the dark. We are not meant to live inside all day. Get yourself outside and get into the sunshine. Pay attention to your breathing. Take deeper and longer breaths than usual to give your body extra oxygen and to keep your body out of physiological panic. When your body is in red zone fight or flight emotion, what ends up happening is that your respirations per minute increase, but you're breathing more shallowly. So you're actually not giving your body as much oxygen as it's required. And then eventually what happens is your body goes into physiological panic. It thinks it's suffocating, even though you're not deliberately suffocating it. So just by expanding your breath, breathing in deeply and breathing out fully and doing that again and giving yourself some more oxygen, you're managing your nervous system by bringing it out of panic and back into focused, intentional, the focused intentional experience. Here's another one. Stay out of the bad neighborhood in your imagination. Anne Lamott calls our imagination the bad neighborhood. And I really love that because for so many innovators, visionaries, we have, and then if you have any kind of anxiety at all, we have the ability to create the worst case scenario and to go down that bunny trail and to create all kinds of chaos in our imagination. And that chaos that we create in our imagination only contributes to the chaos that we have in the world in physical reality. So stay out of your bad neighborhood and instead pay attention to a moment to moment awareness of your breathing, of your heartbeat. Be able to name things in your environment that you see right now, right here, right now in your environment. For example, I'm sitting here in my office at my red desk. I see my little Tiffany lamp with the dragonfly on it. I see my bouquet of roses that I have in my meditation area. I see my 2021 calendar. I see my diploma. And as I do that, I'm actually grounding myself in the present moment. And when you're in the present moment, it's very difficult to stay in panic. And it's much easier than to be responsive rather than reactive to whatever is in front of you. So I'm hoping by sharing this information with you as leaders, you're going to be able to take this back into the communities that you are serving onto the teams that you're serving and leading to transmit this knowledge and information to them as well. So I really believe that these are the keys to rising above the noise and, and the chaos that's happening right now and being able to see things from a bird's eye perspective rather than from down in the weeds. And when you're up at the bird's eye perspective, you're really seeing things differently and more clear, clearly, you're seeing what's going on. And you're able then to respond differently as well. And the last thing that I wanna share with you just about managing your nervous system is this, and this is really cool and very important, it comes from neuroscience. So the part of your brain that becomes very active during fight or flight is your amygdala. And what ends up happening is when you go into fight or flight, all of your, or the majority will say, 
of your executive functioning in your brain, your prefrontal cortex, your decision making, all of those good things that we love to use as rational, mature leaders kind of goes out the window. Those go, go offline. And what you're left with is sort of this dinosaur brain of your limbic system, which is all reaction and emotion and fear and frustration and anger. Well, here's something really important that I want you to know is that when you literally use your words, when you start speaking, you're speaking what's happening for you in the moment. I am feeling very frustrated. I am feeling very nervous. I am feeling very worried. I am feeling very scared. When you're saying those things out loud, what actually happens in the brain is that your limbic system and especially the amygdala begin to deactivate and you start reactivating your executive functioning, your prefrontal cortex. So your decision-making comes back online. Your rational perspectives come back online. And this is such a vital piece of the puzzle, especially for leaders who, if you choose to run those small groups to process um, what's going on for, your, for the employees, that's one of the things that I think is really important to remember is that when people are saying how they're feeling, they actually don't need you to make them feel better. Just by giving them space to say what they think or say what they're experiencing actually changes their brains so that they can see things differently. So just by virtue of you being present, by you holding space, you're actually giving your employees, your team members, a great gift to be able to access their own inner resources that have always been available to them, but they may not have been able to see as clearly because of the interference of the nervous system. So once you get the nervous system calmed, there are a lot of different options and different directions that you can take in terms of where you go next. All right, wow, that was a lot. So important to talk about these things, I think, because we get into this problem solving mode and leaders, especially emotionally intelligent leaders, all we wanna do is help. I just wanna help, how can I help? And when we help, sometimes we jump in and try to solve people's problems for them or to soothe them or make things okay for them. And it gets exhausting. Um, people can go into over-responsibility, feeling overwhelmed, and eventually burn out from that. And as I mentioned earlier, of course, the crisis fatigue is a big piece of that um, over-responsibility and burnout that comes from having to deal with so many crises over the past year. And in fact, if you're not skilled in mindfulness-based solution-focused leadership, you're more likely to burn out. And you're also more likely to consciously or unconsciously position yourself as the hero or rescuer. So when you extract yourself from the role of hero or rescuer, you actually give other people the opportunity to awaken and access their own inner strength and resources. And really remember leaders, you're a contribution, not the source. It's not your responsibility to solve all the problems. It's not your responsibility to fix everything because in fact, the problems that are happening right now in this world are bigger than any one individual. And anytime you take over responsibility for the world's problems or for somebody else's problems, you're creating, you're digging yourself a hole. 
and you're creating your, your, the conditions for you to feel like a failure, to, you, for you to feel like you're not helping. And instead, what I want to just empower you to do and have you think about is how can I be the contribution? How can I contribute? And you'll notice even today in this podcast, this is my contribution. I'm not solving problems for anybody. I'm just contributing. I'm saying this is what has worked in the past. I'm saying, how can I be of service? I'm saying, here are some solutions that I know for sure work. They're based in the research. They're based in my clinical expertise. So in other words, you're meant to contribute to the solution. You're not meant to have all the answers or to make everything all right for everyone else. That's an impossible task. But as a leader, the challenge is that you're leading and you're also going through your own human experience. So it's vital for leaders to remember that it's time to care without carrying others and it's time to be a lighthouse rather than a life raft. You've got to start asking better questions. Understanding why something is happening is never truly satisfying and it certainly will not soothe the nervous system or provide a way forward. So that's a lot of times when people want to process what's happening. Why is this happening? And then they're looking for, when you ask the question why, you're actually looking for somebody to blame. Which is part of when I mentioned um, being the rescuer or the hero. There are two other roles that people play. One is a victim and one is the persecutor or the bully. So when you get that triad going, the victim, persecutor, and rescuer, it's really an impossible triad that you're involved with. We're looking, when we're asking a why question, that's going to evoke, let me point fingers at somebody. Oh my gosh, and there's so much finger pointing going on right now. But when you extract yourself from that victim, persecutor, rescuer triad and rise above that and be able to ask better questions of what's the best way forward? What's worked in the past that we can apply to this now? What's a new way of thinking about this? What's a new way of generating a strategy that will move us out of this. What's next? Those are questions that are actually, first of all, extracting everyone from the victim, persecutor, rescuer triad, but also empowering and solution focused, which is actually creation and innovation, which is what most of us are about anyway. So all this to say, create and offer a safe space for employees to process and transmute their experiences. Remind them to manage their nervous systems. Practice solution-focused mindfulness-based leadership. And if you don't know how to do that, or if you want some support on implementing that, I want you to reach out to me. I'm not attached. I just want to be of service. And so reach out to me, robin at drrobinmckay.com. We'll put my email in the show notes. Just ping me. We'll get on a call and we'll talk about what's going on with your company. I'll make some recommendations if I feel I can help or if I feel like somebody else is better suited to, to support you, I'm happy to make those recommendations as well. The most important thing right now is that we need to remember that we, are, we need to link arms and go shoulder to shoulder 
into the next chapter of this world and rise above the noise, rise above the chaos, rise above the uncertainty and be able to really start looking at what we want to create next. Because this ain't it. My dad always says, now you know what you don't want. And when you know what you don't want, you can start deciding what you do want. And I think that's the best use of leadership right now is to be guardians of our future. And being a guardian of the future means that you're saying, okay, we know we don't want this. Let's create this instead. And that's where your vision comes into play. But we have to get people's nervous systems calmed. We have to get people back on track in terms of what they can manage and what they can let go of. And the best approach to that is by having a private conversation with me about next best steps for you and your organization. It's been my joy and pleasure to be here with you all today. I am Dr. Robin McKay, and I will see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Find Your Rare Air. If you loved what you just heard, make sure you don't miss another episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And it would make my day if you'd leave a five-star review and share my podcast with your friends and colleagues. Oh, and hey, one last thing. Let's connect on social media. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and I'm just getting started hosting conversations on Clubhouse. Links to my social media profiles are listed in the show notes, and I'll look forward to connecting with you over there soon. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin McKay, and bye for now.